Auntie's Three Stories. Welcome to the Representing Her podcast. My name is Esther and I'm your host. Stories give us an opportunity to learn from another person's experience. It can help shape, strengthen or challenge our opinions and values. Tune in each week to hear how my amazing friends and connections have navigated their journeys thus far. Let's explore those big and small questions together that we as young people have when it comes to our careers, our financial wellness and our personal wellness. As we go exploring, I am super excited for us to find those practical tools and answers together. So grab a drink, get comfortable and settle in. Welcome back to the Representing Her podcast. I hope everyone is well. I hope everyone is good. I'm here this afternoon with Sarah to give you seven key attributes you need if you're thinking about pursuing a career in investment management. So why did we decide to do this? We often get a lot of questions from university students or current graduates about this. They usually want to know what these asset management firms and organizations are looking for in candidates aside from good grades. So we hope this adds value in that sense, especially if you have an interview coming up or perhaps you're literally just exploring different career prospects and you want to see if the attributes needed in asset management matches up with your skill set. Or maybe you just want to ensure that you're brushing up these skill sets whilst you're still at university so that when it's time to submit those applications, you feel more ready and prepared. If you have any further questions after listening to this, because I know that the interviews can be quite hectic, we are very happy to help. You can DM us on Instagram at representingher or you can send us an email at hello at representingher.com. Yeah. Me and Sarah were a little bit too ambitious as we wanted to start recording at 7am and somehow it's now 2.15pm. So how did we get here? (laughs) We took it slow. Yes, we did. Sarah actually went for a run this morning, which encouraged me to do a 10 minute app workout. That was all I could squeeze in. (laughs) But it's absolutely better than nothing, right? Just a side note, me and Sarah have previously recorded an episode together based on her journey into the investment management industry. Be sure to give that a listen if you haven't already. It's actually the first episode in this season. Sarah, for those who haven't had a chance to listen to that yet, please, could you start by introducing yourself briefly? Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Sarah. I am 28 years old and I actually am originally from Germany, but have been living in the UK and London specifically for just over five years now. And Esther and I know each other because we work together. Um, So I started um, at the company that we both work at uh, around two and a half years ago. And yeah, we've hit it off straight away. I think we can agree on that. So Yeah, definitely. And so why don't we start by mentioning something we're grateful for this week or something that's just made you happy this week. So I'm just really grateful for the weather this morning. It's not cold which I don't know whether I should be happy or worried about because it is February and it's relatively warm for this time of the year um yeah so I just thought of something I am very grateful for the friends that I have because I did catch up with a couple of friends on Thursday and Friday and came back super energized 
yeah, I'm so grateful to have so many great people in my life. Oh, that's so sweet. Right. Why don't we get straight into it? So we'll start with the first one, which we've both decided is humility. I'll pass it over to you, Sarah, to kick us off on why we think this is something you need. Yeah, I think we both thought of humility um, because there is just such a broad area um, of knowledge to know in the industry in general. I mean, finance and financial markets, there's so much going on, um, so many different actors. And um, I think one key thing, if you approach people or subjects, is to just have that sense of humility with yourself and say, I don't know everything, I can't know everything, but I'm, I'm here to learn and I'm here to learn from others and learn from the new subjects. Amazing. Yes, I definitely agree. And I think we also both agreed that we're constantly learning. So whether you work in a smaller business or a global organization, everyone is constantly learning on a day-to-day basis. It's really important to admit to any mistakes that you make. People respect you so much more for doing that rather than trying to cover up if you've done something wrong. And essentially, you know, we spoke about this confidence piece, right? You need to be confident in yourself. However, no one wants to work with an arrogant person. It's not a bad thing to be confident in yourself. And I think that women tend to hold back and draw back a little bit more because they don't want to come off as being arrogant or as seen as praising themselves too much. So you need to be able to articulate things in a certain way. But absolutely, confidence is key for working in this industry. If I can like share one thing that we talked about as well, it's also internally actually having humility because you will be working with many different people, many different departments, um, especially also if you start off. I feel you're almost like the mini project manager for everything. So you have to take care of a successful kind of delivery of the project in certain um, certain instances. So being humble with everyone that you're working with and focusing on the kind of overall goal that you're trying to achieve and making that clear and connecting everyone to that overall goal um, is very important. And humility plays such an important role because even if someone doesn't deliver and you might be right in saying they didn't meet the goal and that's why it didn't get over the line. It's still important to not be arrogant about it and point that out necessarily, but to be understanding and be humble and try to see it from their perspective. If maybe they had um, conflicting deadlines, maybe they had a different idea of the overall goal. So just being humble and trying to understand rather than judge, I think is also very important internally. Yeah, if you want to be successful as a team. Absolutely. And also, I know we mentioned not punishing yourself for mistakes that you make. And I think it goes hand in hand with what you've just said, Sarah, in terms of also not punishing others for mistakes they've made, right? Um, Just being kind to everyone you meet, including yourself, because I think a lot of people in the industry are usually sometimes maybe harder on themselves than they are on other people. So be really forgiving to yourself because we've spoken about how we really wanted to take this to when we started. And sometimes maybe I made a mistake and I would really take it home with me and live with it over the weekend and come back to work with it and relive it like a hundred times. 
and it just wears you down and it doesn't help yourself or the business. So you really need to let things go. And with others in terms of just, you know, be forgiven, but just let them know if they did do something wrong, just pull them aside for a coffee and just being able to communicate and articulate how you can both do better is really respected. And I think that takes us into the second piece, which is communication. Yeah. Also a cornerstone of being successful in the industry, for sure. And I think you mentioned, Esther, before the kind of initial piece, before you get into it. And so I'll let you speak to that. But um, the communication aspect, again, that I think is super important once you're in your role is the interdepartmental and cross-departments communication. Because it's, again, you have a common goal that you're trying to achieve. but Within each department, there might be different, smaller goals that each person has. And just being able to communicate what the overall goal is and trying to align those is very important. And it's also kind of persuade others. I think we talked about that a little bit, which can have a negative connotation to it. But for me, it always is taking the position of the other person, trying to understand where they're coming from. And then adjusting the way you communicate what you need to, to what they understand. And I think that's that's less kind of um, <laughs> threatening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, getting into the industry, you definitely need brilliant communication skills because they're not going off any experience that you've had in the industry. So not everyone's had internships or have had experience prior. They've been able to articulate what you've done previously, whether it's at university or in roles that are not even finance related. So you might be the best person for the role. However, if you're not able to communicate that there is no way of people interviewing you or people at the company knowing what you have to offer, So it's really important you get your thoughts together. What have you done in university or what have you done your day-to-day life? Any activities that you can put together and articulate how the skills that you've learned are transferable into the business. And Sarah, we spoke, yes, we did speak about the ability to influence and persuade. And again, those have negative connotations to them. But you absolutely need to learn how to master those skills because The interviews aren't easy. You're going to get loads of questions thrown at you. When people get into the interview process, they feel these questions are thrown at you to knock you down. But they're just trying to see how you navigate these questions, right? And how you answer them. And if you're able to articulate why you're the best person for the role and the things that you've done in the past, that will really help you get across the finish line. Maybe one more thing to add as well, because if we think about the financial industry, again, it's a very, I would say, complex topics and complex issues that you're dealing with and they're not just complex for you but they're also complex for the people you're speaking to and might be interacting with and I think communication plays an essential role to almost break down these complexities into understandable bite-sized pieces for the respective people you're talking to so that's another key thing why it's so important especially in um, asset management. I agree with that. And also the reason why it's such a scary industry to come into sometimes is because finances are hardly spoken about in early education. So going back to secondary school, sixth form and things of that sort. 
because we don't have the basis to communicate finances at such an early age, it becomes really scary. So those people who make it into the industry are the people who show their ability to communicate in an effective way. And it's not just communicating about the finance industry, just the way you communicate about everyday things. So if you get a question on how have you solved a problem in the past, just being able to articulate what the specific issue was, how you were able to play a part in the solution. And we also touched on how being authentic and ethical (laughs) with your persuasion is. You know, some of these people have been working in the industry for years and they can tell when you're not being authentic or so you, you just want to come as you are. Be really open. If you if you said something that you think that they don't understand, just go back and say, I apologize. Can I just have another go? Right. And people think that doing that makes you seem almost like you don't know what you're doing. No, actually, it shows your ability to think on the spot and correct yourself, which is highly respected in this field. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. So our third one is creative thinking. So Sarah, why don't you get us started? Happy um, to do that because creative thinking, again, ties into that fast-paced industry that we are in, if you think about finance. And there may be different issues popping up Um, where you kind of need to think on the spot and need to make loads of connections in that kind of really complex, broad space. And um, I think you said that it's actually, it's like play keep up all the time. I think it's, Mm -hmm. which is is a really important point um, because that's, that's essentially what it is. It's so fast moving, new innovations coming into play. I mean, tech is playing such an important role um, and just being able to yeah, creatively approach problems in that broad, complex industry and find solutions for it. I think that's also a little bit what's attracted me, at least, to the industry, because it it's an exciting thing to do, because it's like you're faced with new problems every day. Absolutely. And another thing that we briefly mentioned is having been in the industry for around three years now, What we find is when working with graduates or new joiners, for example, those people who are proactive and who are creative with their thinking and with solving problems are actually the most enjoyable to work with. So don't put yourself in this box or you limit yourself to thinking like others, because that's the trap. (laughs) that most people go in it's like I need to conform into this particular way of thinking you know like you're you for a reason so try and bring that creativity to the workplace because you never know you may just see something and be able to make that thing better and when I was having a conversation with one of our friends Derek that this is something he emphasized on the ability to see something and try and better it or if you can make it faster if you can make it more fun just making it a little bit more lively people would love you (laughs) absolutely love you for that especially in the beginning I think that's such an important point because if you're just starting out that's a little bit why people also hire you to have that outside of the box thinking because you're not with a company and the processes and the structures forever, but you're like the fresh set of eyes that looks upon everything in a new light. So especially in the beginning, 
really, I was also encouraged to take a critical look at everything and just ask questions like, why is it being done this way? Why are we saying this this way? And that's where that new creative idea can come from uh, is you in the beginning. Also having ownership of whatever you're doing. So there's this notion of, you know, you need to be in an organization for a specific amount of time in order to take a step towards this or that. I can tell you that it's absolutely false. You can be somewhere for three months and already putting your ideas forward. Of course, this is where the communication piece comes in. You you want to be able to articulate why you think this is a good idea and speaking to those decision makers in order for them to understand your perspective. Yeah, that's so important. So I heard in a different podcast the other day, one um, example of someone who said, it's also so important to take ownership, even of the smallest things and take pride in them as well. And I thought that was so powerful. So I think this particular example was um, her having a job at this big company, but being just the person to print things and bind them like a internship or a work experience kind of role. But she took so much pride in it. Like she made the perfect photocopies and found them in the perfect kind of like shape and got them all correct and delivered them like 10 minutes before they were supposed to be there and made sure that it's like just nicely put on the desk. You could say, oh, just printing and binding. It's just, you can just do that. I don't know, just um, on the side. But she took so much pride in it and was had complete ownership of it that that was seen and people recognized that so I think in the smallest spaces you can have uh, a big impact if you really own it and are proactive about it so I think that's that's also something that people do recognize even if it's not the big role in the beginning absolutely and it just goes to show that whatever you do just do it well it's not only when you get into those positions that you start acting correct, right? <laughs> Whatever you do, whether you're helping someone with assisting in a meeting or even taking meeting notes, do it well, you know, because when other opportunities come on, if you don't do the little things well, no one's going to trust you to do the big things well. And never look at any job as if you're too big to do that. It goes to that humility piece that we spoke about at the start just be humble in everything you do in the way that you approach people in the way that you approach the work that you do because people are always watching you don't realize it but they're always watching there's been times you know people come up to me and say oh I remember when you did this thanks and I don't even remember when I did that so just be really cautious of the way you carry yourself and just be yourself at the same time don't pretend to be lovely every 10 minutes if you're not a lovely person right <laughs> don't be horrible but don't you know don't pretend to be something you're not yeah that's true perfect and our next one is project management I think that's a little bit like I would say probably when people think about hardcore skills the project management piece is an important one because especially at the beginning I think but I actually throughout your career you'll be with different projects that you have to see through and there will be a lot of involvement not just from yourself but from multiple people from different departments that you're partnering with and every person has their own role to play in that whole process 
And being able to oversee that is key because there's so much that flows into it. It's like you have to communicate the overall goal. You have to make sure everyone's uh, delivering on time. If there's a delay, you have to manage that. And there's so many skills that flow into that project management capability. But again, it's also something that is actually not easy to replicate with if we speak about technology um, or things like that, because that whole management aspect of it is so complex and it's actually applicable to so many different areas, if you think about it. And I don't know whether you'll agree with me here, Sarah, but you know, when people think about project management, it's also about those kind of hard skills, such as the organization skills, being able to piece things together. For me, one of the most important aspects of project management is actually people management. So managing people. So you could be great at everything else, but if you don't know how to speak to people or communicate with people well on deadlines and, you know, whether they have the capacity to take things on, your projects would collapse. (laughs) You know, people want to feel that they listen to, that they heard, that they're respected. In an industry like investment management, nothing is ever done by one team. This is something that I didn't really know coming into the field. So we, we speak a lot about being a team member, but what does that actually really mean? So to get things done, you would sometimes have to communicate with up to five to six teams. And sometimes within these teams, you're going to have to communicate with a different person each time. So being able to give people the, the time to complete the work is so important. So whether you're dealing with the portfolio managers or the traders, the research team, whether you're getting data from the analytics and data team, or when you work in a global organization, it's about thinking about time zones as well. If you're contacting someone in Singapore or the US, what are their working hours like? Don't email them at 3 a.m. in the morning trying to get some information within two hours because you're not going to get it. Right. So it's about managing all these moving pieces to complete the puzzle to obviously achieve the end goal. So important. And I think that's, you mentioned like you didn't realize that coming in. I think that is the same for me. I think when you're just starting your job or interviewing or even like working for a couple of years, you're so focused on, I need to improve my skills. I need to improve my knowledge because I need to complete this and this. But as you said, there's no job that's done by just one single person in the industry. So it's uh, really much more important to be able to delegate things, to be able to oversee what others are doing, that it will all come together. And if you're responsible for that uh, overall goal and with it all coming together, that's where the real value comes from. And that's, yeah, because you say it's people management skills. That's almost harder than just doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Because sometimes it it seems that if you wanted to do something, it's easy to get other people to do it. Sometimes it's not because you have to manage their time. You have to manage their emotions. Right. Um, And then you have to manage their workload as well. So it's, it's a really important skill that I think I'm still learning every single day and I keep improving. So that's that's something that's that's quite nice to have. And another layer of that is also that there's not just one project that you're working on. There's multiple. And it's uh, it's that time management aspect and prioritization aspect that you really continually learn. Um, and I think you're right about 
it's a it's a never-ending process you learn each day I'm definitely in the midst of just learning it and getting better at it and managing my time and just one last thing to add to the project management piece is your knowledge so regardless of whatever team you're passing this to you need to have some knowledge on what it is that they're doing because it may come to a point where sometimes you may need to step in (laughs) for example so it's not about only delegating it's about understanding what the other teams need to do so if there's an issue you can always say how can I help can I step in here what can I do for you to speed it up right so it's always about working together and tablets and our fifth one is analytical skills which we've also paired with interest in the financial markets take it away Sarah (laughs) we'll start off this one um yes so I think we decided that's a good pairing because as we're talking about being interested in financial markets and being interested in those kind of movements and news and all these things it is so big again that having the analytical capacity to work through it is a key skill to have that's a little bit like in conjunction with problem solving skills when coming into investment management there's so many different styles of investing you definitely need to remain true to yourself Um, and I was going to say especially when you work in a specific role but when you actually think of all the roles whether you work in marketing sales whether you work on the investment side whether you're a portfolio manager a trader if you don't actually believe in what you're doing, it's going to make your job a little bit harder to execute. So it's going with an organization or investment manager that suits your investment style as well. So there's no point going to work at an investment management firm where you don't actually believe what they do, especially when you're in a client-facing role. Clients will be able to see that you actually don't believe in what you're talking about it definitely will show in your daily activities and the way you talk about the products. So that that's something to really bear in mind, really understanding what your beliefs are, what your preferred investment style is. And not to say everyone has a preference, but if you have something that you absolutely don't believe in, you don't support, it, it doesn't make sense for you to go and then <laughs> spend majority of your day in an organization that clearly supports that theory or that has an investment philosophy suited to that theory so yeah just be really really true to yourself when making that decision what do you think Sarah yeah I think that's a really important one and especially if you're starting out and you're applying for different roles and it's probably also hard to discern what's what so it's also I think I would encourage just interviewing at very different um, investment management companies because you do get a sense through those interviews even if you're like oh I'm not actually well interested in the role but not 100% sure I want to go for this one but just going to the interview to listen and learn to then go to the next one with that knowledge and know a little bit more about that different style. And I think that helps in the beginning just to get a lay of, sense of the lay of the land. And um, because, yeah, as you said, that can be so different. The other thing I, I wanted to add on that um, financial um, markets piece is that um, I mentioned earlier one aspect 
I think I said it in the context of creative thinking is that it's so exciting because there is so much um, complexity out there and there's always something new to learn. Um, I think as you progress in the industry, I almost feel you, as you learn more, and I think this common knowledge, as you learn more, you learn also how much, how little you actually know. So absolutely. Um, that it's, it's also okay to really be selective to a certain extent about what you also learn about. So to say, because it can be overwhelming because there's so much and because other people at the beginning will know much more than you do, but it's also good to learn, but then also be selective and say, it's okay to just know X, Y, Z about this at this stage. I'll learn more in the future and be a little bit patient with yourself as well. Absolutely, Sarah. And sometimes having too much information actually makes you worse off, as you said. You need to, and I think it's the issue with social media these days. There's so much to absorb that if you're not selective about what you do take in, it becomes a lot. This goes back to when I was at university. It was so hard when you go to interviews and they're like, you know, what trends are there in the market? You're like, oh, there's so many. It's because you're not focusing on what you need to know. Because once you decide, I need to know ABC, you can ignore the rest, the rest of them. And this is what I really recommend for young people trying to break into the industry. Just zone in on what you need to know and what you need to understand and just block out the rest. And I mean, when I say block out the rest, I don't, I don't mean that you shouldn't know what's going on in those areas. Know a little bit, but don't feel overwhelmed that you need to know absolutely everything that's going on because some people who have worked in this industry for 30 plus years still don't know everything that's going on (laughs) so it's almost impossible but just even knowing the basics yeah just breaking it down so for example even saying to yourself why do different markets perform the way they do so why do developed markets perform differently to emerging markets for example and just being confident in the way you articulate that would be so much more impressive than you not being able to articulate anything and just not knowing anything in depth when you come into the interviews. And sometimes I think we can sit here because we've, you know, been in client meetings and we've worked with the professionals and we know what we're talking about, but this can be really intimidating for people who have not touched the industry at all. So what can you do about that? You can always read news articles. As Sarah, you know, you were saying that you always sort of had a specific newspaper that you read just to really understand what was going on but what I would also encourage is even till this day when answering difficult questions I still go to those research papers I still go to those white papers to really understand what the academics are saying to really understand what the research is behind that and again saying all this can sound really easy whilst we sit here but sometimes it's still overwhelming for those people who are trying to break it down So there's definitely no reason why you can't reach out to people who work in these organizations because people are always willing to help when other people have questions about a specific topic, so to speak. Yeah, I think what helped me, especially in the beginning, is taking everything in bite-sized pieces. And what I mean by that is, as you mentioned, asking people. So just taking five minutes after that meeting to ask two questions about two things that were mentioned that you didn't understand. Um, or after being in a meeting, 
picking two words that you didn't understand and then go research for 10 minutes about those two concepts. And there will be recurring things, as you said, Esther, that are then kind of emerging just as themes that seem to be relevant. And as they keep popping up, that's when you make that whole picture of um, what they actually mean and also form your opinion around it. So um, yeah, I think that's one thing that helped me a lot, just taking that five to 10 minutes, because if you say, oh, I need to sit for two hours to learn about inflation, then that is overwhelming. But <laughs> five minutes today, five minutes tomorrow, five minutes the next day, that's manageable. And that's exactly. This is where the analytical skills zone in as well. You're not only looking at information and going away, what can you infer from that data? What is it trying to tell you and how does it actually affect the real world? So just being able to do all of those things would really help. And lastly, I would add that it's really important, again, to take things in bite-sized pieces and just really assessing them, like you said, Sarah. But there's also those trends in the market that you absolutely cannot ignore. So for example, if you go into an interview and they go, what are the trends, current trends in the market? And you don't mention ESG, it's sort of, you know, what's going on here? Because it's what's in everyone's faces right now. So as well as trying to absorb things in bite-sized pieces, you need to know what the industry is craving right now, what it's screaming, what's going on, because there's that huge sustainability piece that you can't ignore. I find that when you have an interest in these things, it sort of does come naturally after a while. And don't worry if you don't have an interest in these things, it does definitely grow. That's so true. And I think as you go on and develop, of course, the broad trends, I absolutely agree. Those are essential to just know. But also you will develop a certain interest in certain areas of the financial industry and markets. And that's where you then can become almost like a specialist and people turn to you for advice. So I think that's also the exciting part to meet people and meet or discover new little areas that then can become your focus area. So although it's not essential to have that focus area coming into um, the interviews and into the industry, um, that interest can definitely also develop because it is the people that you need to, the discussions and the conversations that you have. Yeah, the, the conversations honestly are priceless. Sometimes I'm just in awe. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I'm absorbing all of this. It's it's crazy. And I always say that no matter where life leads or takes me. I am so grateful for this amazing start my professional career because I've learned so much. You can't just pull a person from the street and they know what's going on in the market and things of that sort. But if it was more transparent, I definitely think that a lot of people would see themselves in the industry, in these roles and looking to, you know, help make those impactful changes in society. Going on to our sixth one, this was a really interesting one. And when Sarah pulled this up, I was like, yeah, we definitely need to talk about this. This is personality fits. This isn't really one that you would see around, but I definitely think that this heavily influences the hiring decisions of many 
organizations in the investment management industry. What, what do you think, Sarah? Yes, I think personality fits. That's a, that's a really interesting one because I think I mentioned to you that I saw on a job application, just like stating you have to be an outgoing person in order to get this role. I read about this the other day and I was thinking to myself, well, that's not very inclusive of a lot of people. And is it really that important to have a certain personality for like asset management now as you're speaking about this? And I think it sometimes can be that overt um, in job descriptions, but in most cases, I actually very um, hidden. So people won't specifically say this is what we're looking for, but it's almost like um, the decision that they make based on the overall team or the overall company culture. And it's um, an aspect that, as we were discussing it, you can tick all these boxes that we talk about today and that kind of make you a good fit for the industry as a whole. But then if you zoom into the specific company that you're applying to, that might be that personality fit that is not there. And it's actually not even a bad thing because in the moment you'd be maybe disappointed for not getting the role because um, that, that didn't fit, but it can be actually a good thing as well because um, yeah, it's, it's the overall culture and the team that matters so much as well in your day to day. When we speak about personality fit, what is a fit anyways? right and I remember reading this article where it says should it be cultural fit or cultural addition I thought that was great because they talk about fit but when you think about what the industry is now and how much diversity it lacks when you're trying to make things fit you're trying to keep them the same whereas if you're trying to add right? Which is what we should be trying to do. This is where the differences really shine, right? This is where that dynamic element in terms of um, human capital starts to make a difference. Such an, such an important point. Yeah. So don't be, as Sarah says, you may have all of these skills and you may be on point for your interviews and you may have all your things together, your degree, everything. You go to the interview, you thought it went great and it's still a no. Sometimes that no is trying to tell you something. <laughs> Don't always take it as a bad thing because when you think about what an organization is, if you ever took the employees away, that organization is essentially nothing, right? So you are an asset to any organization. So if, they, if it's an organization that can't see the value that you can bring in, maybe your value lies somewhere else. You don't want to be somewhere people don't appreciate you. And I think that this sort of comes with a confidence piece. It, it grows as you've been in the industry for a while. So if it's a no, it's a maybe I wouldn't want to work there. Anyways, maybe they see something in you where they know oh, this person might get frustrated <laughs> in this firm. Or sometimes people hate to say it, but sometimes you may be too ambitious for a firm right? They can see that you, you perhaps have ambitions to grow bigger than they can offer. And yeah, maybe sometimes you need to be somewhere that can fill your ambition, not limit it. Don't always take a no as a, as a bad thing. Yeah. And that's actually um, kind of some suggestions for if you're going into an interview, 
you're not the only one who's being interviewed. You're also interviewing the company that you want to work for. And that's something I definitely learned over time because I was always um, going into interviews with that mindset of, oh, I need to answer questions. They need to evaluate me. But as I was progressing and doing more interviews, I actually also did the reverse. So I was going into interviews saying, I need to interview them because to your point, Esther, it's that, um, that kind of culture and you need to find out and assess if the values and goals that you have actually also fit with the company and what they can offer you and the people that you will be working with. So, so important to really ask those questions um, at the interview as well. Yeah, I love that. And I wish I got maybe coached is a word more for interviews when I had graduated because there, there are questions that I would definitely ask now that I didn't know were important such as you know what do you define as success as an organization is so important if they define success as someone who stays till 3 a.m in the morning maybe that's not what you want <laughs> if you're trying to have a balanced lifestyle and you know just being frank and asking this is what I want for my career. Is that something you can possibly offer me here? Many people wouldn't ask that as graduates because they feel that sounds a little bit pushy. Again, it's the way you articulate yourself, but people respect you a lot more when they know what you want, especially if their organizational goals aligns with what you want. And you're saving yourself from bad surprises. Oh yeah. (laughs) In your head, that's going to be, and then you get there and it's like the complete opposite yeah and last but not least we have tenacity and resilience big words yeah (laughs) do you want to break down what those words mean for us yeah it says here that endurance and tenacity are a must both to keep going through long hours and also to keep focused on complex problems kind of paraphrasing a little bit but I thought that was so good because that's definitely something I've learned. I would almost say the most um, Mm -hmm. industry, (laughs) tenacity. So keep going, keep working at things um, like pushing through mistakes or um, things where you can't get to the goal as quick as you thought. Um, And that just like being resilient to all these things and just keep going is such an important one because in the beginning you won't have all the answers you will it will take you twice as long you might make mistakes and all these things just require you to keep going so that's um I would say one of the most important things at least also one that I continue to keep learning and getting better at I really think Sarah we've both been really resilient in many cases and I think it's just important to, I know we didn't talk about this, but to pair that with physical and mental health, because sometimes when you work in such a fast moving industry, sometimes you can, it can really start to affect your physical and mental health if you're not taking it easy. So you need to be, you need to really listen to your, to your body at all times. So it was definitely a shock for me when when I began. There were times where I had to get into the office for like 6.30 a.m. just so I can study, then leaving really late. I could have taken it a little bit easier on myself, but we always think we can do 
everything, right? And looking back, I would have just said to myself, just, you know, pause, (laughs) breathe, just take it a little bit easier because you have all these high expectations for yourself and you almost don't want to disappoint, especially because it's so competitive. Me and Sarah actually tried to find the statistics of how many applications are received in the investment management industry versus how many are successful, but we couldn't. (laughs) It would have been really interesting to have those figures. It's really important to ensure that you're taking care of yourself because sometimes when things happen at work, you tend to take that home and live with it. And, you know, sometimes it it may not be favorable on on your health. One more important aspect I think to mention is also that you just started off in the industry and there's so much time to learn a lot of things. So it's not necessary to have all the answers and know everything from day one. No one's expecting that. And I think that resilience piece comes into that a little bit too, to be um, almost kind to yourself to say, I'm learning bit by bit. Um, I have to keep working at it, but there's also so much time ahead of me um, that I have to learn. And um, a lot of things you actually just learn with time. I actually noticed that so much because being in so many conversations and getting so much insight from different people, there is no way that I could have learned that in just my first week, just like Absolutely. impossible. So that's play the long game rather than trying to make and master everything on day one. Yeah, I love that, Sarah. And I think this is a perfect way for us to close. I really hope this was helpful. As I said at the start, whether you're here for informational purposes or you have an interview coming up, we know that there are so many other things that could have been added, but we hope we've summarized and delivered this in a concise manner. But do let us know what your thoughts are. You can DM us on Instagram at representing her or you can email us All information will be in the show notes below. Oh, yeah. And yeah, as Esther said, hopefully you take away some of the key key aspects and can kind of tie them together. Let's look out for. Thank you for listening to the Representing Her podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review, subscribe and get in contact with any questions you might have. Be sure to share with anyone who might find value in these conversations and follow us on Instagram to keep up to date with us. See you on the next episode. Bye.